Welcome to the nightclub, where we are the ones who enjoy a good scare. Recently, I had a conversation with Boss Tuna from the Joe Blow Horror Show. It's a podcast you can find on most podcasters. At least I found it pretty easily, so I think that they're everywhere. I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, Boss Tuna and Drunk Darius are some funny motherfuckers. But I had a conversation with him, and we were talking about, uh, amongst many things, horror subgenres. They have an episode where they break down their, uh, I think it's their three favorite horror subgenres. So I thought it would be fun to do an episode about horror subgenres. Now, I'm not going to be going into crazy detail on each genre, or subgenre, rather, because those in and of, of themselves merit their own episodes. I mean, because you can go deep with the history and s- the different types of films. Also, while doing research uh, for this episode, I came across a lot of correlations. Um, these subgenres blend a lot. So, let's say, uh, let's take The Others from 2001, starring Naomi Watts as an example. It's a ghost story, okay? Is a ghost story its own subgenre? I would say it's a sub-subgenre of supernatural or paranormal, but it's also a gothic film. So, the classifications can get a little squirrely. It just depends on... I guess your interpretation. And speaking of interpretation, I have to ask, what is horror? What is a horror film? What is film? That's a fucking rabbit hole if you really want to dive down it. But let's stick to where these two paths cross. What is horror film? At its core, a horror film is trying to scare you. But like a pumpkin, when you cut his head open and pull out its guts, you find it is so much more than just the scary face you set out to carve. The genre of horror is oftentimes a mask, not unlike those of so many slasher villains. What lies beneath the skies can be broad, targeted, subliminal, or obvious. Horror films can be a conduit for satire comments on our society, an expression of our deepest fears, or sometimes they are just bloody fun. Our darker nature can be exhibited in this genre, and allows us to expel our inner demons, both the ones that are reflections of ourselves and the ones that we struggle to comprehend. Death is nearly always a constant in horror, for it is our greatest fear fear of the unknown. As author and influencer of the horror genre, H.P. Lovecraft said, and I quote, the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is of the unknown. Human beings have always told these types of stories to cope with what we don't understand. Folk tales, fairy tales, fables, most of them are dark. This is the purpose of, and what a horror film is, 
the echo of our ancestral fear translated again and again over time. It frightens us, keeps us up at night, causes us to think more deeply, and it sure as shit is entertaining. No other genre has such a devoted, diehard fan base, and that's because, after all, everyone is entitled to a good scare. put it on front street if you happen to hear some uh, background noise that's a highway out in front of my car I'm parked outside of a hotel in Missouri I'm actually states away from home I just started a new job that has me traveling a lot uh, doing some construction work so a lot of these episodes are going to be from the road from the many different states of the USA and uh, until I can figure out how to record this over the internet I'm going to be doing it solo so unfortunately the coven as you experienced in the last episode well it might be a while before you hear us commune again I would like you to join us Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, or visit our official website, thenightclub.fireside.fm, for other podcatchers, our blog, and direct from the void downloads and streaming. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Nightclub Podcast, or you can reach out and touch pure evil using our email. The Nightclub Podcast at gmail.com. Give us a five pointed pentagram rating and write up a review. If you guys send in reviews or emails or whatever, I'm going to read them on the show. I don't care if they're mean. I don't care if they tell us we suck or that I suck more specifically because Angel and Ricky don't suck. Come on, don't be assholes to them. You could be an asshole to me though. Tell me I suck or praise me. I don't care. Or just have a conversation with me. I'm going to read it on uh, on the show and we're going to fucking, you know, we're going to have a good time. So let's get into the uh, meat of tonight's episode. Horror subgenres. I want to thank again uh, Boss Tuna from the Joe Blow Horror Show for inspiring me to do this episode. And while I'm at it, I also want to shout out a few other podcasts that are out there. If anyone's interested in horror you need to check out the Horrorphilia Podcast Network. They have a ton of great shows, including the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Horror Corridor, The Wat Z Party, and many, many more. Also, I made a few friends over Instagram. So go and check out Spice Podcast, S-P-I-C-E. They tell some good stories, and it's good spooky fun. So as I was saying earlier in the episode, a lot of these genres sort of blend, and I've got a list of specialized subgenres here. This could include creature features like werewolves, vampires, zombies, aliens, 
And we've got witches and satanic slash demonic or possessed. Possession is a fucking subgenre all its own, a sub subgenre, if you will. Uh, found footage, a, that's a huge. I'm gonna stop saying sub subgenre because it's a little repetitive. But but found footage is big by itself. I mean, everything from Cannibal Holocaust to Blair Witch, which I'm gonna mention those films later, and they kind of fall under some of the more uh, broad subgenres of horror. There's also cannibalism films. Uh, <laughs> I gotta throw out Bone Tomahawk and Ravenous, and just gotta mention those two together. That's a great double feature if you want some fucking frontier slash western slash horror slash cannibal movies you can't do any better than those two films you've got lovecraftian type of films and at, at this point stephen king he's he's got a a hold on on horror all his own when it comes to film and, and television series i mean whether it's cheesy whether it's horrible whether it's done really fucking well stephen king's got his own genre and most of it, it's horror. But where am I going to start on this little journey here? Well, I might as well start with the most popular type of horror film of all. A slasher. Slasher films. Slasher horror killers. People getting fucking cut up, hacked up from the gut to the nut up, toes down, head spinning. Wait, what? Okay, I'm losing my... <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Influenced by Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960 and Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast from 1963, as well as a lot of the Italian giallo films. Like uh, Sergio Martino's Torso, that's 1973, and Mario Bava's A Bay of Blood from 1971. Though, though some of those films and, and and a bunch of others pretty much laid the groundwork for what a slasher movie would be. And a slasher film can involve again, this is genre bending. It can be psychological, it can have supernatural elements to it. I mean, uh, villains like Freddy Krueger, he's supernatural as fuck. He's coming after you in your dreams. He's trying to get you while you're, you know, sleeping. How the fuck else? I, it's not like uh, Ramirez, the Night Stalker, or Ted Bundy. These are real motherfuckers, and, and, and slasher films are also based on or not always based on, but uh, influenced by real-life serial killers as well. Then you get films like Black Christmas or uh, Halloween that are based on what could really happen. And although the Halloween franchise itself later evolves into something more supernatural, and even the first movie hints at, at Michael Myers' supernatural abilities, uh, you know, Dr. Loomis shoots him like fucking seven times, he falls off a balcony... After having been stabbed multiple times, including in the sternum and in the neck, you know, Michael just fucking up and vanishes. And the whole time, Loomis is like, he's got the devil's eyes and, uh, you know, death has come to your town, Sheriff. <laughs> so, 
those types of films can sort of again we're gonna blend genres here but but slasher films really did kind of start in the 70s with the proto slashers i just mentioned including texas chainsaw massacre which again genre blending that that's also sort of a southern uh, backwoods type of horror film but I would argue it's also kind of cosmic in a way, and I'll elaborate on that in a future episode. I've got I've got my own interpretation of, of of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that I'm eager to unleash on all you ghouls and ghosts. But um, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween, Halloween kicked off the the. The formula for what a what a slasher movie is like the the stalking villain, uh, the final girl, uh, scream queen, if you will, wh- whichever you choose uh, to call the the victim slash heroine of the story, the sadistic psycho killer. You know, it, it, it laid a lot of the it started a lot of the tropes or what would later become tropes. But Friday the Thirteenth from from nineteen eighty. Just two years after Halloween came out, it, that is the movie that launched slasher films into the zeitgeist, into popularity, the profitability of these low-budget movies. Friday the 13th was made as a Halloween ripoff. It started with Sean S. Cunningham basically being like, I've got a title. I can sell this movie on the title alone. And that's kind of what he did. Other films in the slasher genre of note are My Bloody Valentine from 1981, uh, previously mentioned A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984, Child's Play from 1988, that good voodoo doll bullshit right there, Scream from 1996, and I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997 are also, I think they're worth mentioning, they're, they were both written by the same guy. I uh, forget his name at the moment, but Scream was directed by Wes Craven. It's a very meta horror film, a very, uh, I guess, I guess, you, yeah, a parody, well, maybe not a parody, but it, it, it takes the tropes of, of slasher films, horror, horror slashers, and it, 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 you know, subverts them or makes, make, make makes makes the audience aware of them and those the movie shows you that it's aware of itself it really resurrected i would say it resurrected horror for for a bit because uh, through the late 90s early 2000s you had a a string of some popular horror films but uh it waned in the 2000s but but what scream did was revitalize the slasher because after that you start getting into the remake and reboot area where 1998, you see Gus Van Zandt's Psycho. It's a remake of the classic Alfred Hitchcock film, which, you know, I I said at the start of, of breaking this down, it's probably the, that's the grandfather of all slasher films. I mean, when you think of slasher, you think of the shower scene from Psycho. You think of Norman Bates, and, and and that iconic theme music and the fucking knife, the kitchen knife. So Gus Van Sant's film, uh, largely panned, I, I starring Vince Vaughn. I've seen it. I liked it. I don't. I, I didn't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people are like, you know, it's bullshit. It's a shot for shot remake. 
what have you. I mean, I don't know. I was entertained, so whatever. But a few years later, the the remake reboot shit really kicked off with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2003. Uh, Marcus Nispel directed this film, and uh, the original cinematographer f- for the for uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in '74, Daniel Pearl, he returned. So, you know, you you got some 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 of the same blood flowing through the veins of this movie, and I saw it in theaters. I skipped out on School of Rock, the uh, Jack Black film by Richard Linklater, which, you know, I, it's one of my favorite movies at this point. But I uh, I was too young at the time to get a ticket for a Texas Chainsaw, so I, I snuck from one theater to the next. And I loved it. I mean, and, and, and I've seen it many times since then. I, I remember it fondly, so I don't think that was a bad remake. You get House of Wax in 2006. Also, not a bad remake. Um, I was really surprised by how well that movie was. Uh, you you also get Halloween in 2007. Rob Zombie's take on it. And, you know, I'd say watch it, but it gives you a little bit of uh, Michael Myers' origin. But, man, I don't know. It's just full of... T- the dialogue is a little unbelievable at the beginning with some of the characters. Anyway, this isn't a fucking critique of that film. Uh, Hills Have Eyes in 2006. You get My Bloody Valentine. Oh yeah, 2009. That's like the fucking year of the, the remake. Because you get My Bloody Valentine, The Last House on the Left, Sorority Row, The Stepfather, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and Friday the 13th. They went crazy. Hollywood was just going remake, reboot crazy at the time, especially with these slasher movies. Um, some of the recent hits have been like The Purge, which again, I need to stop saying this, but genre genre bending because it's sort of home invasion. It's sort of psychological thriller. But uh, yeah, you get Happy Death Day, uh, Truth or Dare, and uh, most recently, Halloween again. A third Halloween. You've got Halloween from 1978. You've got Halloween from 2007. And now you've got David Gordon Green's Halloween from 2018. Three Halloweens, all named Halloween. I'm going to go on a tangent here for a second. because I, I Maybe one day I'm going to talk about the Halloween franchise. I don't know. I don't have a desire to at the moment, but... You know, if, if if people would be like, talk about it, I guess I would. So if I never do, let me just get this out here. The Halloween timeline is a fucking mess. You've got Halloween, then you've got its direct sequel that takes place the exact same night, Halloween 2. Then you have Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with the previous two films. In fact... In Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, I don't know why it's called that either, because there's no witch, and it's, it it has more to do with with Stonehenge than it does witches, or druids, rather, from Stonehenge than witches, but in, in the film, Halloween, the original, is seen on television, motherfucking Tom Atkins with his crazy mustache, look, it's a great movie. I mean, it's fucking awesome. But so, so you have a break in the cycle right there. 
That's two different timelines. Okay? Let's continue. Halloween, Halloween 2. Halloween 3 is its own timeline. Two timelines. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. We're continuing the original timeline. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. So we've still got two timelines. Then you get the seventh film in the franchise, Halloween H2O. 20 years later, Jamie Lee Curtis comes back, the original final girl from, from the first one and the second one. This is the third timeline in which the first two films are the only films that count. Okay? Okay. Right? Good. Halloween 8 or Halloween Resurrection with Buster Rhymes. Trick or treat, motherfucker. We're continuing the third timeline with that film. That's the end of, I guess, what you could call sort of the original timeline. Well, but not because it's part of the third timeline. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, it's the end of something because next we have the fourth timeline, Rob Zombie's Halloween. That has two movies in it in its continuity. Now you have a fifth timeline with David Gordon Green's Halloween. Because that movie is a direct sequel to the first movie. Not the first two. Which, remember, the original second movie was a direct sequel to the first one on the same night. So now the new Halloween from 2018 is a direct sequel from the Halloween from 1978. From 40 years prior, you've got five timelines. What the fuck? In, 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 in the immortal words of James Rolfe, what were they thinking? Which I think he got from Joe Bob Briggs. So, in his words, what were they thinking? Good God. Five timelines. Okay. I'm exhausted. Oh, I, got, I also want to mention another awesome recent slasher flick is Terrifier. Art the Clown has the potential to become a new horror icon. If you have not seen Terrifier from 2016, seek that shit out. It's fucking amazing. Now let's let's uh, go to a subgenre of this subgenre, and let's do a little bit of holiday horror. I'll just mention a few of these movies here. Holiday horror is uh, yeah, it is what it sounds like. It's a it's a horror movie that's themed around a certain holiday. So like like Halloween and Black Christmas, you know, I, and My Bloody Valentine. You can guess which holidays they take place on. You've also got Silent Night, Deadly Night, April Fools. Krampus, which is a uh, twisted take on the dark version of Santa Claus. Although the, the, the Krampus film, in spirit, is a lot like Gremlins with, with uh, its, its tone. I highly recommend that one. And a movie I've just seen for the first time recently, Trick or Treat. Wow. I mean, wow. That is the most Halloween, Halloween movie of all time. It's even more Halloween-y than the fucking titular Halloween because it uses the some of the lore from Halloween, some of the myths, uh, the superstitions. It's got a blend of werewolves and ghost children and little murderous mutant men with sack heads. I mean, it's fucking great. Plus, it has Brian Cox. So, that's a win-win. Win-win-win. You just win. You're winning with that film. Alright, so that's that's an overview of, of, of a slasher and, and whatnot. I think the next logical step 
when you talk about like slasher, the killer, blah, it's thrilling, it's suspenseful. What else is sort of like that? I would say psychological horror. And psychological horror has its roots in The Black Cat from 1934 and Cat People, 1942. Those are some early influencers there. I'm going to admit I've never seen either one. I am curious why they both involve cats. Uh, I don't know anything about them, so who knows. But uh, psychological horror took off when Roman Polanski directed Repulsion in 1965 and Rosemary's Baby in 1968. You get films following that like The Shining, which, if you've not seen The Shining, that's a Stanley Kubrick film. I mean, it's it's a masterpiece. If you if you're a horror fan and you've not heard of it or seen it, something's wrong. And that's as psychological as it, as it can get. It also has supernatural elements to it, but I would say it's it's strongest rooted in in the psychological genre itself. Um. I'm, I'm going to jump to 2010 with Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Talk about a fucking tour de force performance from, I think it's Natalie Portman. But it's a dark fucking movie. And look, <laughs> Darren Aronofsky made ballet scary, okay? Alright? Just think about that. You, you'll be blown away, trust me. 2014 and 15... Each respectively had the Babadook, and it follows. Again, we're 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 genre blending, guys. We're blending it all up. Does it blend? Yes, it does. Babadook, psychological thriller, mixed with fucking allegory, fairy tale. I don't even know what the hell's going on in that movie. It's a good one. It's a really good one. It's got a really creepy boogeyman in it. The Babadook, duck, duck. You gotta see it. And it follows... Holy shit. That's, uh, I guess, like a supernatural sex demon. Uh, follows the person next in the... in the, in the. the. Well, how, how it works is you, you fuck someone. So you give them this demon STD. The demon comes for them. It follows them until it gets them. It mangles them. The psychological aspect of it is, for me, the idea of something that's just constantly coming... It's fucked up, uh, but 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 let me let me let me uh back up for a second. Probably the most popular or most well known, definitely the most acclaimed psychological thriller that I, that I I could find and or think of is 1991, Jonathan Demme's Silence of the Lambs, based on the book of the same name, starring Anthony Hopkins as the character Hannibal Lecter who is a cannibal, Hannibal the Cannibal. He's also, I believe, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Uh, I can't remember. He's fucking smart as hell. He's an insane psychopath. This film won all of the five major categories at the Academy Awards. It won Oscars for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actress from... Uh, play, uh, uh, What's Agent Starling, played by Jodie Foster. Best Actor for Hopkins. Best Director for Demi. And it won Best Picture. I also want to say, I think it's something like 12 or 18 minutes. I forget what, what the length is. 
But that's the that's the amount of time Hopkins was even on screen. It was less than twenty minutes, and he won the fucking Academy Award. It's because he's the goddamn man. All right. So moving on, I figured Gothic would be the next step in this uh, staircase of scary shit. So Gothic, what is Gothic? Well, it has a subgenre called Southern Gothic, but let's stick to just Gothic for right now. Gothic films are very atmospheric. They usually involve a castle or a, some sort of religious type of setting. Fog. Uh, <laughs> lots of fog. I think darker tones for, for that type of horror movie. Uh, as in the cinematography, seem, I think, is, is a bit darker. Romance is also at play here. Not always, but but that seems to be a heavy theme. A few films that I wrote down that fall directly into the gothic category are Nosferatu from 1922, Dracula from 1931. Both of those films, by the way, I mean, they're connected because Nosferatu was a straight-up rip-off of Dracula. Even though the movie came out first, Bram Stoker's novel Dracula came out before Nosferatu. And the filmmakers couldn't get the rights to the book. Stoker's widow would not allow it, so they just fucking ripped it off anyway. And an interesting tidbit here. Nosferatu, the film, was ordered to be destroyed by a court of law. So all of its copies, all of the film canisters, what have you, were rounded up and destroyed... I think only a few survived, maybe even just one. So that's that's how we still have that film. Thank God, because that's a that's a that is a sure classic. Frankenstein kind of falls into this category, also from 1931, same as Dracula. And you'll notice those are two icons of Universal horror movie monsters. Uh, let's jump to the future a bit. Sleepy Hollow from 1999. Tim Burton made a modern gothic fucking sort of comedy film. It's starring Johnny Depp, and it features Christopher Walken as the Headless Horseman. I fucking love that movie. Uh, the The Others. It's, uh, I mentioned earlier, supernatural ghost story, but also fucking build first as gothic. And I get it. I see it with the scenery, the type of film that it is, what's going on in it. I won't give anything away about it, because you need to watch that. We also have 2007's The Orphanage. I, I wrote that one down because I saw it when I was doing research. I, I, don't, I don't know that I would call it a gothic film, but fuck. Uh, someone who knows better than me has it listed as one. So, uh, And following the theme of ghosts, because the, the others and, and The Orphanage and Sleepy Hollow, they all have something to do with ghosts. Let's, let's move on to Supernatural, because I don't know that much about gothic horror film not enough to be a a, a rambling semi-expert on it but supernatural and occult i know a bit about the exorcist from 1973 nominated for for uh some some academy awards i think it might have won one as well it might have won one <laughs> it might have won an award maybe for best makeup or some something i i should have research that a little bit better but that that's the classic of the supernatural genre it's demonic possession what else do you need i mean really 
Uh, the Amityville Horror from 1979. Again, a ghost story that involves possession, demonic hauntings. Uh, there was a remake. I uh, forget what year it came out, but I thought it was pretty damn good. It was with Ryan Reynolds, motherfucking Deadpool, and he goes ape shit on his family. The, the 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 lore behind the Amityville Horror, by the way, is very fascinating. I had a book about it that I read a long time ago. If you haven't checked anything about, if you haven't checked out the Amityville Horror, check it out. But but watch like a documentary about what it's based on and where it comes from and stuff. Another classic from 1976, The Omen. It's all for you, Damien. It's all for you. The next snap. Oh shit. The Son of the Devil. Poltergeist from 1982. Uh, I've seen it when I was a kid. Don't remember it that much. But that's a Toby Hooper slash Steven Spielberg horror film. I think it's more kid friendly. And uh, here, here we go. Blending found footage with Supernatural. You've got the Blair Witch Project from 1999. I can already tell you that's going to be an episode by itself one day, so I'm not going to get into it here. Um, some more, some more uh, modern, popular supernatural films, popular slash praised, The Conjuring from 2013. I think that I think that had a big hand in sparking the rise of horror in the mid to late 2010s. Hereditary from 2018. That's one of the, the last movies I saw in theaters that scared the shit out of me. One scene in particular. it The way that Ari Aster crafted that movie. Uh, I'm going to talk about Ari and his films on a, on a different episode. And you have a remake of another supernatural classic from 1977. The remake being the 2018 film Suspiria. I've seen them both. I like them both, but I love the remake. I fucking think it's amazing. Won't go into it. One day that's gonna, I'm gonna talk about that as like a double feature type of thing. I'll com- compare or contrast or, or whatever. Um. So when when something's not supernatural, it's natural, natural horror. Movies that involve acts of nature or nature run amok, like The Birds, another Hitchcock classic, or Jaws, a Steven Spielberg classic, The Inventor, or uh, the, the origin of the blockbuster, Jaws, uh, Piranha, Lake Placid, that's one from my childhood, fucking Oliver Platt's in that, that, that involves a big alligator, and a, and a more recent alligator film, Creature Feature, Crawl, Sam Raimi produced that, that movie, I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about it, um, but my my favorite natural horror movie with the nature run amok type shit that I can think of at the moment, I saw just this year from 1979. This movie is never talked about. And I'm probably going to do a fucking midnight ritual of this thing because I'm in love with it. It was a complete surprise. It's called Prophecy. And it's about a mutant mother bear. The sleeping bag scene. You think Jason's got the best sleeping bag kill of all time? I beg to fucking differ. Alright? So, supernatural to natural. Let's take a little bit of a leap. Let's go to another sub-genre. Or sub-sub-genre. Because it's hard to tell. 
I mean, it, it's fucking infamous. It, it has taken pop culture by storm. It, this creature is probably the, um, the most popular horror movie creature of all time. Maybe even more than vampires. I would, I would think it's neck and neck. Ha ha ha. Neck biting. Next to vampires, if not more so, because they don't just bite necks. They bite your face, they bite your arms, they bite your shoulder blades, they bite your kneecaps, they rip you apart. I'm talking zombie films, okay? Now look, I'm going to be honest. Zombie films are not my favorite type of horror films. But, they do have some of the best horror movies in them, uh, in the genre. So... Uh, you you have movies like uh, White Zombie, which was an, a really early one. Films like 28 Days Later, Shaun of the Dead, Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead, Warm Bodies, uh, Zombieland. That's a that's a popular one. It just had its a uh, sequel released, Zombieland Double Tap. But where did all this really kick off? One guy, George A. Romero. His 1968 film, Night of the Living Dead. This black and white classic is a perfect example of how horror can be social commentary. Because it really is, unbeknownst to the filmmaker, a commentary on racism in America. Now, I'm not going to dive into it, because like I've said a few times before, and I'm going to have to make these notes so I, I remember that I want to cover these things, Night of the Living Dead, along with its sequels, are going to probably be a uh, an episode or a series in and of itself. But uh, Night of the Living Dead spawned a few sequels, including Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. Diary and Survival, I have seen once. Day of the Dead, I have not seen at all. Um, Land of the Dead, I think I've seen twice. Dawn of the Dead, I think I've seen two or three times. But Night of the Living Dead, I've seen a, a bunch. I, I love that movie. If you've seen it already, I want to give a shout out to James Rolfe. Um, Cinemassacre.com. Go there and, and seek out his Monster Madness feature-length commentary track. You could watch the movie while he talks. Because um, Night of the Living Dead is public domain. Fucking lucky us. We get to watch a classic zombie film. The classic zombie film. For free. You can find it online anywhere. But go to Cinemassacre. Go listen to James talk while the movie plays. So zombies, they rip you apart. They eat your guts. They want to eat your brains. That's kind of gory. It's kind of bloody. What does blood do when it hits the walls? It goes splat. Oh, wait, that's a genre. That's right. Splatter. Splatter films. I mentioned Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast earlier. Well, that's pretty much considered the originator of the splatter genre. And if you watch it, you'll see why. It's blood, blood, blood. The Hammer films... Um, Hammer, Hammer was a... Uh, UK production company that that remade a lot of the Universal monster classics like Dracula, played by Christopher Lee. Um, they did Frankenstein, The Mummy, etc. And those movies I saw listed as splatter films. I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean here. 
I've never seen a single Hammer horror film. And I will rectify that situation one day. I, I, I've got to do a marathon. I, I, I really want to run, run through the Christopher Lee Dracula series. Because he's got like five or six of those movies. But um, those are considered splatter films. I Spit on Your Grave. The original at least. Uh, I don't know if the remake is considered one or not. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is considered a splatter film. It's also a found footage film. Um, let's see, what else here? Okay, here's where we get into the torture porn era, which started in the 2000s with uh, Saw. I don't consider Saw torture porn, but it's labeled as such. I mean, to me, it's it's more psychological. It is definitely splatter. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw torture porn at it. But there you go. Eli Roth, uh, his film Hostel and its sequel, Hostel Two. Hostel Two, I think, is a little bit better than the original, but you know, it's whatever. Um, and and <laughs> what what a lot of people consider some of the grossest movies of all time, the Human Centipede films. I've seen the first two. I haven't seen all of them, but I gotta say, man, I was highly entertained by the first one. It's gross, but it's not, I don't know, it's not stomach-churning, like, not to me. The second film, however, it's in black and white, and it it's it's sort of meta, because the, the, the guy that's tying people's mouth, the not tying, surgically, crudely, surgically, uh, let, me, let me back up a second, in the first Human Centipede, this surgeon is connecting people's mouths to other people's assholes. Why? The fuck if I, I he's he's crazy. Well, in the second film, the 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 main baddie is influenced by the film, The Human Centipede, and wants to create his own. But he doesn't fucking know what the fuck he's doing. He's using shitty tools and. I think it's in like some abandoned warehouse or something. He kidnaps people and he's really, really fucking them up. It's a gross movie. It's really gross. It's awesome. You gotta see Human Centipede 2. Alright. Uh, oh, I also want to mention another Eli Roth film. He seems to like to make these splatter films. Green Inferno. <laughs> Holy shit. Cannibalism. Rainforest fucking murder. People getting ripped apart. Chicks cutting their own throats, plane crashes, is the best, alright? Green Inferno. The naysayers can say nay all they want. Go fuck yourselves. But uh, what Eli Roth does, and to me, what a little bit of the human centipede does, this over-the-top slapstick kind of shit, let's take a break from the gore, alright? Let's talk about some comedy horror. Uh, Washington Irving's the Legend of Sleepy Hollow is considered by some to be one of the first pieces of comedic horror. And that's the story that the Tim Burton film Sleepy Hollow is based on. So you can go back in time and, you know, see how those things correspond. But I've got some examples here. Uh, An American Werewolf in London. It's got a lot of comedic elements. I think some of the scenes are side-splitting, uh, especially when they involve the uh, ghost the ever-decaying ghost of the first victim in the film when he's haunting the main character. Uh, Beetlejuice, another Tim Burton movie. I don't, I don't think there's anything horror about it. 
but I saw it listed, so I'm presenting it to you for for your consideration. I think it, I think that one uh, you could show to to kids. That that'd be a good introduction to the horror genre itself. Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn. That is a comedy horror classic at this point, undisputed. And a lot of filmmakers, like uh, Peter Jackson, for instance, claim it's one of his favorite films and it's a huge influence. A lot of filmmakers love this movie. And its sequel, Army of Darkness, which I would say does a complete 180. It becomes more comedy than horror as to where Evil Dead 2 is still a good balance of both. Uh, Gremlins. I think part two is more comedic and completely loses the horror element. Uh, not completely. I guess there's a few moments in that film that could get your goat if you, you know, are kind of a noob to horror or easily spooked anyway. But the first one got, it's very dark. Motherfuckers die and shit. So Ghostbusters, again, good blend of horror comedy. And uh, this is <laughs> the parody of all parodies, and it's many sequels, Scary Movie. I'm gonna shit all over these walls, Ray. I don't know what else to say. Scary Movie. If you don't know what Scary Movie is, look it up. You're gonna have a lot of fun with those movies. Okay, so uh, since we took a little break here, we talked about some comedy horror, let's get back to the fucking real shit. Body horror. David Cronenberg is considered the master of body horror with films like The Fly, among many others. And I'm prone to agree. If you've not seen The Fly, his, he, he remade The Fly. The original Fly is from the 50s. Uh, his Fly is from the 80s, starring Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and, and and he is amazing in it. The, the build-up to... Well, it's not even a build-up. The movie itself shows his transformation, and god damn, it's gross. It's fucking amazing, though. Another classic of the body horror genre that rivals anything David Cronenberg did is John Carpenter's The Thing. And we're going to touch more on The Thing in a little bit because we've been blending these genres, all right? We be blending, y'all. Uh, Brain Damage is a notable film. Cabin Fever, a lot of gross body shit in that. Society. I think that's from 88 or 89. Uh, forget the exact year. I'm going to get some shit for that maybe. But it's an 80s movie. And it takes a little while to uh, to get to the climax. And that's a double entendre. But it gets to the climax. And it is just twisted shit. God, fucking you go, go watch. Um, get Shudder. Get the horror app Shudder. If you don't have it, fucking shame on you. Go watch Joe Bob Briggs um, talk about this movie. It's fucking great. Street Trash. Also, Joe Bob. He does that one. May. That's a, that's a that's a hidden gem right there. I saw that movie back in high school, and I never hear it talked about. But it's sort of a it's sort of a new take on Frankenstein, which also could be body horror. Uh, <laughs> Frankenstein, um, not the man. But the monster, his monster, is a compilation of corpses. And May is sort of the same thing. And I also want to say the entire Hellraiser series, that's body horror, man. I mean, the Cenobites themselves, their bodies are horrifically mangled in various ways. 
and they mangle their victims in horrifically various ways. So the whole genre itself, so the whole franchise itself, I think, falls sort of in the, you know, body horror slash supernatural or occult slash another genre we're going to get to at the end. And the end is coming. We're almost there. But before we get to what might be kind of, hard to say, my favorite horror genre, but before we get there, let's touch on one that's very close to what might be my favorite, and that's sci-fi, science fiction horror films. Alien, Predator, The Cloverfield Franchise, Donnie Darko, Ex Machina, Dark City, Godzilla, Sunshine, the entire X-Files series and, and, and movies. These are all incredible examples of science fiction horror. I don't think it really needs to be explained what science fiction horror is. Um, the, if you know any of these movies, you kind of get it already. The science fiction horror it has a lot in common with what I'm about to talk about, as well as a lot of other genres that blend into it seemingly, seamlessly, rather. And that's cosmic horror. Some examples of cosmic horror. The Dunwich Horror from 1970. The Evil Dead Trilogy, which involved the Lovecraftian Necronomicon. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to say this real quick. Cosmic horror is heavily influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. A lot of movies are influenced by his works or complete retellings of his works, such as the Dunwich Horror. Other examples include uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, which are The Thing, see, I told you we'd come back to it, Prince of Darkness, and uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Now, The Thing is body horror. It's also science fiction, but it's also cosmic, because they don't know what the fuck this thing is. The Thing is, a, I guess, a parasite that invades its host's body, takes on some of its ma mannerisms, not mannerisms, but it, well, it can pretend to be that thing, but then it starts to morph. And it gets fucking weird looking, man. And speaking of weird looking, and something that's heavily influenced by the thing, is The Void. This fucking movie. I've seen it twice. I, I can't wait to watch it a third time because I think I'm going to do a midnight ritual of this one as well. I'm going to have a lot of <laughs> a lot of notes to take when I'm editing. Because um, I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought about a lot of these prior uh, some some of the movies I want to cover later in the future but The Void that's another recent movie talk about a fucking great example of cosmic horror it's got heavy heavy Hellraiser vibes and heavy The Thing vibes it's fucking incredible uh, speaking of another movie that has heavy Hellraiser vibes Event Horizon underrated 90's gem okay Sam Neill from Jurassic Park co-star with Jeff Goldblum, The Fly, so we're mixing body horror, we're making connections here, I don't know where Kevin Bacon, I don't know how many degrees until we get to him, but Event Horizon takes, it's basically Hellraiser in space. I wish we could get the director's cut of this film, because some of the footage was was, was mandated to be cut by the studio or, or MPA, who the fuck ever, because it was too fucking violent and crazy, and that footage is sadly... Lost. It's gone. We don't know where the fuck it is. So we'll never get that. Uh, the The Mist. Another Stephen King adaptation here. 
uh, the, the mist and it both could be examples sort of of cosmic horror underlying examples but they deal with the unknown and creatures of the unknown things the human beings cannot comprehend I also saw while reading this movies I want I want to throw these out there because they were highly recommended by people online Banshee chapter and Black Mountainside I don't know what those movies are I've never heard of them until doing research for this episode so I, I, I'm really desperate to check them out because more than a few people were citing those as some of the best examples of cosmic horror. Um, another re, uh, couple of other recent films that, that could be considered cosmic horror, Netflix's original The Ritual. It, this is sort of a folk horror, which, which is a sub-subgenre. But it's also cosmic because it deals with a forest god of unknown origin and of unknown purpose or circumstance. It's amazing. It's an amazing film. You really need to see this. It's like psychological. It's witchy. It, it's 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 great. And I'll uh I'll talk, I'll mention this one because <laughs> again this is a movie I'm going to talk about later. 2018's Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. Directed by, uh, how the fuck, Con, Cosmatos Pan, Pantos, I don't fucking know how to say this dude's name, man, um, I'm gonna have to look it up later and, and get it right the next time when I t actually talk about the film in depth, uh, cause it's, it's kind of disrespectful that I don't know the guy's name and he made my favorite film from 2018, but, look, the, all of the different influences in that movie, I mean, my God, Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, body horror, cult movie, witchy shit, it's great. It's fucking amazing, man. It's a slow burn, so people who, who aren't in the slow burns, maybe, you know what, no, don't skip the first hour. But I will say, the first hour and the second hour are two totally different creatures, First hour is the slow build-up. Second hour is like, boom, 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 boom. One fucking crazy thing after another. I'm not going to spoil anything about it. We'll we'll do that another day. But to clo close out this, this whole discussion, and I know I didn't talk about a, this genre or that subgenre or the sub-subgenre or the grandmother to the cousin of the subgenre of the brother's sister's dog, but look, if you want to hear me talk about a certain subgenre, guess what, bitch? Email in. Talk to me. I'm going to read about it on the show, and I'll do a little bit of coverage on it. Whatever you want. But I'm ending it here because I've done enough rambling. A debated film in the cosmic horror pan pantheon. Probably a lot of people would say, no, no fucking way. It's not even with, it's not that. But like how I made an argument for the Joker being a horror film, I think 2001, A Space Odyssey, is a cosmic horror film. Now hear me out, alright? That film starts on Earth in, in the fucking primitive times with primitive eight people discovering the unknown. The, the black monolith. What the fuck is this thing? It just shows up one day. And the eight people instantly get smarter. Jump cut to the future. 
the now humanoid ape people from the past are flying through space in vessels they created out of earthbound materials that they manipulated. And what do they find on one of the moons of Jupiter? But another black monolith, another unknown. Then we jump again to what is the more horrific aspect of the film in which I think it's uh, two astronauts, I think two at least, maybe maybe there's a few more, I, I forget. It's been a few years since I've seen the movie. But, but these astronauts are slowly being, uh, or attempted, they're attempting to be killed off by the AI computer on the spaceship, HAL. The HAL, was it 9,000 or 5,000? I forget. But HAL is a horror movie villain, in a way. He's got this very monotone voice. It's this iconic symbol of just this red light, this red dot that is meant to be his eye. And, I mean, he's fucking trying to murder people. And the cosmic part of it happens at the end when the last astronaut enters... I don't fucking even know. I don't even know what the fuck happens at the end of that movie. Space baby, okay? Big, giant space baby. <laughs> it's insane. I, I think that movie could kind of be quasi-cosmic horror. I would like it to be anyway, in my mind, because it's one of my favorite films of all time. And, as I said, cosmic horror might be my favorite genre of horror. I don't know if it has my favorite horror movies in it, but I think the style of film that it is and what it's about, going back to what I said at the beginning of all of this, the ultimate fear of the unknown, I think that genre has yet to be done to its maximum potential. And if it has, it's got some good entries in it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. But I think one day it could be done. Maybe, a, not. I don't want to say better. That's condescending to some great works that came before. But I, I think it could be, its potential could be maximized. All right? And not maximum overdrive. <laughs> could that be somewhat of a cosmic horror? Uh, an unknown asteroid flies through Earth's atmosphere and causes all the machines to go haywire and kill people? I don't know. It's also Stephen King, so it's part of the Stephen King sub-sub-genre, so fuck it. Anyway, I've been rambling about horror genres. This is sort of a impromptu episode. I, I didn't really have... Well, I had plans, but life changed those plans. I had to leave home to come start work. So, I'm going to go ahead and announce it now. Unfortunately... The aforementioned on previous episodes, uh, Seance, is not going to take place this Halloween season. But we're not going to abandon the idea. The nightclub coven will conduct a Seance. It's going to happen. Possibly next Halloween. So what am I going to do for Halloween? Well, you'll have to stay tuned to check out. I'm not just going to give it away. I mean, come on. What the fuck do you think I'm doing here? I've been Travis Maxwell Boone. I don't think I introduced myself at the beginning. <laughs> oh, shit. Stay spooky, bitches.